Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in our current series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today we're doing another in our TNR 2.0 interview sessions. And in a couple of moments, we're going to introduce our guest, Michael Chung. But before we start, I just want to set the stage here. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And this is recording number two for this week. And it's only Wednesday. Wow. Look at us. Efficient. Efficient. Yeah. That's what we're known for being efficient. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we were talking, there's another guest on the horizon and Greg and I had a email conversation earlier today and that looks very promising. That looks like another good interview as well. Yeah. You know what? One of the things that Alistair and I've talked about is, is, you know, we, we designed this originally at a diner table. And so the idea is to bring more people to the table who've had different experiences that we can learn from and that our listeners can learn from as well. So we're really excited to be uh, extending this 2.0 into a whole new place to uh, and bring more voices, ideas to the table. So we're excited about it. So the minute you talked about table, we have to go back to the diner. Yes, exactly. Because your favorite waitress, Poppy, is probably missing you. She totally ignores me. You're definitely her favorite. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, Michael, we haven't been to this diner for about a year and I came in, she says, Greg, how are you? And she brings me my breakfast and, I, and it's been a year. And besides being just awestruck with the level of service that, that and, and connectivity, and no wonder this diner is jam-packed because just the atmosphere and culture, and maybe we'll talk a little bit of culture and the importance of that. Like what kind of environment creates that, that this this lovely uh, lady is just amazing. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, Poppy. Yeah, and the moral of the story is Greg is always everybody's favorite. <laughs> so let's continue on. Uh, Greg and I have spent a lot of time in the past as managers. We've both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. And so today um, we um, are going to have another in our. TNR 2.0 interview series. And with everything else we do, um, we want to have a good, healthy conversation. And I think, Greg, we're going to have a really good conversation today. Yeah, for sure. So um, we're going to be talking to Michael Chung, and uh, we're going to be talking about managing in the startup environment, but also get a sense of, of, of Michael's development as a leader and some of the people and, and situations that have really informed him. But before we get going, uh, Michael, welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me here. It's our pleasure. And Michael, I'm going to out you. You actually listen to us sometimes. I do. I uh, when you first told me about this uh, this series that you're you're running with Greg, I uh, I tuned up really quickly and uh, listened to a couple of your podcasts. So I'm happy to be now a guest as part of your your podcast today. On a really famous podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So, so Michael and I actually work together and, uh, Michael is, and there's a whole bunch of letters after his name. So we had a quick conversation before just to kind of minimize them. So CPA, CMA, PMP. So Michael went to the University of Waterloo, business and managerial economics, an MBA from Wilfrid Laurier. He has a master's certificate in project management from the Schulich Education Center, York University, and is a licensed project management professional from the Institute of Project Management, which I knew nothing about. And Michael has a huge background in banking and consulting. And 
Michael's focus is on high performance teams. Obviously he's in the startup environment, analytics, and he has a big customer focus. So Michael, welcome to our show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, thanks for inviting me here today. Um, so as you gave me such a great introduction, uh, I'm Michael Chung. My current role right now is a VP of solution delivery at OWL. Um, I will say ever since I was young, I was always good with numbers. And naturally, I majored in finance and accounting for my undergrad and graduate degrees. Um, even with this, I've always had this strong entrepreneurial mindset. I, uh, I started selling car parts when I was younger. I hustled through doing a small business with selling golf clubs at one point. Um, and I attribute this to the spirit from my family members who uh, have opened up a business in some point of their career. Um, but that's why I was intrigued to move away from my 20 years of uh, banking and consulting experience over to a startup uh, at OWL. Uh, who's a, uh, a growing insure tech company that is really disrupting the whole insurance business. I love the story. So how, what you, you, the, I want to I just probe a little bit deeper into the car parts, golf clubs, like, like what inspired you in that? That just sounds, and how old were you at the time? Like, what was, what was this? Like, uh, um, uh, just, just give us a little bit of yeah. flavor around that. Sure, sure. For um, I, I naturally was like into cars um, and and really enjoyed them. Um, I found there's a niche in the market when uh, you know the the Fast and Furious days and people are modifying their cars and whatnot. And was able to find a niche um, and sell some car parts during that time um, and made some money. I was young. I was uh, you know in my teens, uh, and then from there I just hustled and uh, move towards, uh, you know, golf clubs and, and reselling them, buying them low and selling them high and on Kijiji and was able to hustle through that too. So I've always had a, a way to uh, integrate some of my sales uh, expertise and, and marketing uh, and develop a nice fellowship uh, um, and um, was able to, to do well on that. Uh, but it's always been in my nature to, start something from nothing um, and uh, continue to grow them and then move on to my next hobby. Wow, that's great. So, so it must have been, I imagine then going, and your background's amazing, your experience, you, although you can see from your learning portfolio, uh, you know, that you're a constant learner, I would say, you've, you know, you've, you know, your MBA, you know, uh, your uh, University of Waterloo, your finance and math. So it's like building upon it, but practically, and then going to the bank, that must have been interesting because the banks are machines, uh, um, but they're great learning environments too, because there's lots of space for there. And we want to dive a little bit deeper because as you know, in this in this program, what we often do is we look at both sides. We we look at things that we've learned while we've been managers, but also things that we learned while we were non-managers and we're just coming up through the the pipeline. So uh, I would love for you to maybe just share us. Uh, as you have gotten to where you are now, and I know you are passionate about high performance teams and creating, I call my language is safe, brave spaces. I wrote a book and my language is around safe, brave spaces that really release potential. Uh, you know, in our, in our pre-show prep, you talked about some of that. And I'd love you to just share 
some experiences along the way. We often learn things from those we work with or worked for good things and sometimes not so good things. So I'd love you to just maybe share some highlights on what were the most meaningful moments that you think have helped shape who you are as a leader today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my background, banking and consulting. And um, I would say starting my career in banking has created a very nice structure in terms of working in a corporate environment. Um, I will definitely recall my first job at the bank. Um, it was working for, for a lady that was a manager at the time. And I was just a junior analyst working for her. Um, and I remember her, her first activity that she gave me. Um, she wanted me to learn the job and understand it. But in order for me to really fully understand it, she asked me to do a presentation to our team members about what my job entailed. That meant I had to spend time to put together a PowerPoint presentation, which I never used before, um, put a structure together, tell a story. And she said to me afterwards that if I didn't do that for you or didn't ask you to do that, you wouldn't fully understand what your role was with the company. And I think I remember that moment. I still have that presentation. I look back at it sometimes just to see what I did. And I reflect back at that moment, how important that was to create a foundation of knowing what you do, uh, knowing what your role is within the company and how you contribute to the, the larger um, initiative that you're, you're, you're working for. Um, I think that really helped craft the person who I am today. And, and to your point, Greg, you mentioned I'm a, I'm a serial learner. I always continue to learn. I, I've moved around from different companies, from banking to consulting. It's because I have an, an appetite to continuously learn from different businesses, industries, companies, people that I work with. Um, it has shaped me to who I am um, today. I love that example. And, you know, what a brilliant idea, because we know in all the studies that one of the key things around uh, potential and performance is around understanding what I do, you know, real clarity around not only what I do, but how do I fit to the goals of the organization and the goals of the team and what it is. So actually having you do the research to dive deeper and then to present because there's one thing doing the research, but then you got to articulate it well enough so that it, it kind of sinks through your brain and into your mouth and out to your. So I, it, what a brilliant exactly. suggestion. I've never I don't think I've ever heard that throughout my career. And I just really think it is a, a, a brilliant idea, which now as I consult and help others, I'm definitely stealing it. So uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's simple. It's simple and powerful. Right, absolutely. And I've used it a couple of times as well in my career with other new people coming up. I, I, I suggested the same thing. Um, if you know the role, um, present to me. Let me know uh, what you think the role entailed. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what, th what do you think your role is within the company um, and how you contribute to our key metrics and uh, business values? Um, and it's been very successful. Um, if you don't know, you would definitely ask questions and research, uh, especially when you're presenting in front of some in front of someone. Uh, I'm sure that you've done your research and uh, be able to explain 
what you've done, what you're, what you're presenting. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that, that automatically encourages relationship building because you're going to have to ask somebody, you know, because often we have buddy systems where you set someone up, but if you have someone explore that, you're going to have to, who are the contacts to this? What do I need to do? And I mean, again, it's, I love simple, smart ideas and that's a great one. So right. what other experiences have you had that jumped out for you that were built upon that great foundation to start? Right. I think the other flip side to this is the, the whole sink or swim uh, mentality. Uh, we see this often in other organizations, um, very prevalent in consulting, I would say. Uh, in consulting, um, you're going to have to figure things out very quickly. And I would tell you my, my, my experience on my third day at a major consulting company was flown out west to a, a new client that I've never worked with before and taking was the lead um, consultant in a multi-million dollar project um, and figuring that out very quickly in terms of what your role is, what the project uh, scope is um, and key stakeholders are. Um, that was really an eye opener, um, but not without having experience with that in the past as well. You have to have mm -hmm the mentality of the sink or swim in other organizations in order to be successful in that role. Um, and I will say that, that in many times in my career, there have been uh, sink or swim uh, situations where you're given a project that you feel like you have no business to do um, and you have to figure it out. And mm -hmm. that's researching. And it's just, this is pre-internet as well. This is speaking to real people that actually do the work, finding out, um, you know, how to make the connections um, and, and figuring out the answer. And it will take some time. You may not get it right the, correct, the, the first time, but you're, you're able to build upon that. Um, and I think that has really shaped my career as well in terms of not being um, fearful to ask questions, not to be fearful of asking the dumb questions as well. Yeah. And how, how did, you know, when you think of those experiences, um, what made them, because sink or swim can be scary and it can be, you know, not as impactful and it can be helpful because it's interesting. So, so what are the things that you have learned that you would say as a leader now, because I, I hear you saying that sink or swim is a great learning mm -hmm. path. Right. But are there things around that that you have learned that are important to help those individuals to be successful, even with right. a little bit of sink and swim stuff? Right. So um, knowing that I've been put into situations of a sink or swim, I do not do that to my people that I work with. Um, I, I make sure that I've learned from those that give me those, <laughs> those opportunities or uh, instances of, of learning um, to really think about, reflect how to ensure that if I'm bringing someone up, I'm going to make sure that they're successful. As in, I'm going to give them all the tools and all, all the advice and all the guidance needed to become successful. Um, I, I really believe that in order for you to become successful in your role, you have to really understand um, what you're doing what your impact is to the overall department or um, area you're working for, and then how does that tie in with the company as well? Um, so I think 
uh, in those situations, I definitely don't wish it upon anyone to do a sink or, sink or swim uh, situation in, especially early in your career. Uh, but um, I think for me, it has really developed me uh, personally uh, and, and changed the way that I lead uh, my teams um, and I learned from that. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, most of the data that is out there says the exact things that you've said. What do people need? They need to have that uh, clarity, that connection to not only what they do, what the team does, but that connection with the, how am I impacting the greater goal of the organization? That Those are the three um, most important things with not only performance, but retention. So, uh, unfortunately, you got that through a bumpy, uh, scar-filled uh, way, maybe. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you glad you got there. That's for sure. Absolutely, it was uh, definitely challenging. Uh, you know, you know, as I developed my career through the 20 years of different roles. Uh, but I think you know, I, I keep thinking back about the key players or key opportunities or key companies I worked for that helped me to become a leader today. And it's really around, I think, a couple of things. One is like mentoring is a key pivotal role uh, of, of becoming successful. You have to find some key mentors that are going to help you uh, develop your career further, be a sounding board. Um, and I, I, had, I had several of those growing up, but I also had my immediate peer group friends as well who were growing up with me. And we were able to balance ideas, share different experiences, and motivate each other to do well. Um, the other component is um, having the, the access to a network, uh, making connections to the right people. Um, as I pivoted my business, um, my career in, in banking to consulting to sales, business development, um, I had to tap into some of my friends that are in those industries or in those roles to understand it further. Um, I think those are really important things to, um, to know and, and to develop early in your career uh, if you want to get into management. Um, and if you're in a management role, I will say the key thing is really to empower your teams. How do you play an active role in developing them? Um, meaning empowering, the uh, empowering your teams as in like you should all act as owners of the business, right? Mm -hmm. Treat it as your own. If you do that, you'll feel a, a huge sense of contribution um, and impact to your role, to your company, to your, uh, to your group and company. I love that. There's, there's two or three things I want to uh, uh, just dig a little bit deeper on there. The one is uh, just a comment. I, I have a friend who owns uh, um, a fairly large recruitment firm. And uh, this past year they grew, I think, I think it was like 600% crazy growth. Right. Um, and, and they knew business opportunities in that. And I asked him, uh, uh, and they're a teal organization. I don't know if you've heard of teal organization, but they're a, they're a self-managed, like a very interesting, they're moving towards teal. But anyways, he said, what I said, what's the one thing that, that made you be able to pivot and grow and that he says, well, he says, I have 375 CEOs working for me. And so to your point, everyone's a CEO, everyone's an owner of that business. And right. so they're bringing ideas, they're pivoting, they're moving quickly, and it's driving results because of the freedom. Now, their frameworks 
of which how they make decisions, but there's freedom within those frameworks, which is kind of cool. So I, it really resonates with me, your, uh, that, that idea of empowerment and the idea of shared ownership, which is key. But I want to dive a little bit into, you, you mentioned mentorship, and mm-hmm. I think mentorship is a powerful thing. And I got a sense that you found your mentors. And sometimes people sit and wait and say, well, I hope they assign me a mentor. Uh, um, And sometimes that does happen in great organizations, but sometimes you got to go and find them. So what was your approach? Did you get assigned them? Did you find them or both? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I found them. (laughs) You're right. Uh, I definitely found the people that I aspire to be uh, or or get to that level. And I reached out to them um, and was able to connect with them on a personal level and then slowly became a mentorship over the course of several years. Um, it, a great mentor is someone that doesn't feel like you're at, you have an obligation to help, uh, they're helping you. Um, it's a two-way street as well. You're helping them, they're helping you. Uh, but it's it's finding those individuals that you connect with and you could trust and, and um, being able to be very successful of, of just communicating what I want what I want to become when I grow up and um, understanding their journey as well. And they're able to con- make connections with other people that understand where I want to go to as well. So opening those doors, those networks I mentioned before. Um, but definitely mentors have helped me uh, understand how the world really works sometimes, right? Um, it's not easy. And I definitely do, I definitely pay it forward now. I'm, I'm a mentor for many uh, people um, growing up in their career, even at my current role right now, I'm helping shape their career, understand what where they want to aspire to, and support uh, their decisions. Um, and and the key is to ensure that you have their back. And um, and that support mechanism, I believe, empowers people to be very confident in their role, and therefore become very productive and make it a really fun place to work. I really like that, Michael. There's three things that are just kind of jumping out at me in this conversation so far. The mentorship thing is is huge. And uh, Greg and I have talked about this, our experience in, in the people that have mentored us. And sometimes it was very situational. Sometimes it was a rela- you know, a longer relationship type of thing. But how important and influential that was in, in my life, for sure, and in my career. Um, the other thing was, uh, the other two things, one was uh, being dropped in the deep end and, and just let go. And uh, I, I can think of a, a very cold night in February 1988, uh, walking the beat by myself with uh, basic training, but no real idea of what I was supposed to do in the job and found myself face to face with somebody that was a career criminal. And uh, it was fine. But when I asked for a car to come pick me up, everybody else realized that I was in the deep end. And six cars showed up to help me when really all I needed was a ride to the station because this guy wasn't going to make it if I walked him back. And I like the idea of the PowerPoint. I don't want to do it, but I like the idea of someone else doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that that's such a brilliant thing. And I'm just going to echo what, what Greg said. That I've never heard of that before, but that is really, really good. Um, I've seen a version of it when somebody's applying for a job but I've never actually seen somebody do it that has the job. So that's just wonderful. You're in the start, startup space. Uh, what advice would you give a leader or manager in that space that's in there right now to help them navigate 
um, the startup space? Yeah, I would say <clears throat> anyone that is in a startup phase um, and managing people, um, I think the key thing is you have to learn how to pivot quickly. You have to learn that uh, it's just one constant in a startup is change and being um, adaptable to change. Helping your, um, your people to understand the change, getting their buy-in, uh, uh, developing some change agents within your team is really critical. And understanding the reason why we're, we're changing, being very transparent as well. Um, I think a, a manager in a startup needs to be very transparent and communicate often to their people about how things are um, changing within within the organization. Uh, Alistair, you could attest to that, you know, we've been working together for over a year uh, and you've seen the changes in our place today. Um, every couple months it changes. And if you're not keeping up with the changes, you're gonna have some people that are left behind. And uh, the important thing is you're, you're, you're as good as your weakest link and you wanna make sure that everyone's brought up to the same level and uh, encourage everyone to be uh, moving at the same speed. Um, so I think, uh, like I said, startup is uh, it's a different um, environment altogether. Um, it's, it's really a combination of many years of different experiences that, that helped me to um, manage a team this large. At, um, it's, it's because I've been able to understand and pivot and uh, develop my my tool set of, of skills that uh, that shape me to who I am today um, that make me think that, that I haven't seen anything. It doesn't allow me to think that I haven't seen anything before. I, I'm able to uh, approach every single problem with some thought leadership on um, and, and able to succeed in those roles. One of the things, uh, there's a few things I've observed in this space in the time that uh, uh, you and I have worked together is, is how flat the hierarchy is, um, how much conversation goes on so people understand uh, the change. Not only that, but understand that change is necessary because we're in a startup phase. And I've also appreciated how senior management will, uh, in a very humble way, come into conversations with team members and middle management and just have really, really good conversations and how important those conversations are actually are. And I just really appreciate, uh, because of the startup phase, there really can't be this huge uh, up and down type of uh, hierarchy. People have to be able to talk to each other and people have to feel comfortable talking to each other. And it's something that I've observed uh, to, to a very positive way in my experience in, in the startup over this last year or so. So I, I really do appreciate that and, and just how accessible everybody is and everybody cares that everybody else is on the same page. And at the same time, listening to suggestions and, and comments and questions by everybody. Right. right. And, and, and to your point, Alistair, like one of the things is around a, a deliberate approach around that of flattening of the organization. Um, it means that you could pick up the phone and call the CEO if you want to and have an idea. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go through the ranks um, in, some, in other organizations. Um, the ideas that you brought bring forward is in, impactful to changing 
how we develop this, this company. Uh, and that's why ideas are welcome. Um, ideas are shared. Uh, and you could reach out to anyone in our company and be able to, um, to explain about your problem or have an idea and we're able to, uh, to solve it together. Um, that's deliberate in, in, in the way that allows you, and I'm glad that you see that and reflected on this company. That's great. And I, what are the other key things that, uh, you know, you mentioned about uh, communication being key. You mentioned about kind of creating that sense of ownership. In addition to having access to others, what are the other things that you've seen that have been really helpful to really tap into the, you know, to, to the fullest self of folks that you've either implemented in your current organization or you've seen that in, inspires you to do more of? Because it is about kind of tapping into that fullest self of folks. Is there other things besides communication, a sense of ownership, or that that you've you've found that that are have been really meaningful and helpful? I think the answer is pizza, Michael. Gourmet pizza. <laughs> <laughs> feeding feeding your people is always important. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think one of the important things that we probably overlook is culture, right? What kind of environment we want to create, right? Um, you know, a culture is, is somewhere where you feel safe, where you feel like you're part of, you know, quote unquote, a family. Um, you know, you spend most of your time with your work friends and your work colleagues, and you want to get along with them. Um, and, and, and it's important that we create a culture. And that's the whole reason why, you know, when I'm, when I'm in this role here, I'm, I'm hiring people that are, are going to fit the culture of the team. And that's one of the key things I look for when I hire people is, do they fit our team? Do they fit our, uh, our process and our, and, and, work, and our growth of our company today? Um, that's really important to understand because, you know, as, as a startup grows from like a, you know, a seed round, a, um, a, a series A round to a series B round to a series C round, the company changes. And uh, I hope that the culture doesn't change. The culture is ingrained in our DNA. Um, but if you hire the wrong person or you bring someone outside in and, um, and it creates disruption that could cause some, um, chaos. And so at least I share, um, hiring the right person, um, to fit the culture is really important. And, um, I think Alistair could, could attest to all the people that, that have joined recently, uh, in our growing company, um, have fit that same mold and, um, you know, I don't think you've seen anyone that's an outlier. No, all I know is every Monday there's new people. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And and for Al in particular, are there are there? Uh, uh, how would you describe the the types of folks? If folks are listening, is saying I'd love to work for this organization. When you think of those core cultural elements that really make an are you called Owlers? Or I'm not sure, but. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Uh, what what, what sure is that? Because I do think you're, you're, that is a really important uh, descriptor for sure. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not too sure what we are we're internally called or externally called, but Alder sounds, sounds like a pretty nice terminology for us. Uh, you know, like, you know, we're, we're growing really quickly um, and, and it's a really fast paced environment. Uh, and the, the important part is that we want people to um, believe in the journey with us and, uh, and and help us build this journey. 
build this company. You know, every single person in our company is important. You all have a big contribution to our company. You may think you're small, but you make a big impact. Mm. Um, and I mentioned before, owners of the company, feel like you're part of the owners of, of the company, uh, be part of it. Um, you can make the best out of, of what your situation is. And uh, it's very similar to your undergraduate degree. In four years, you could uh, participate, be involved with the school, uh, be involved with um, any programs you have interest in and make the best of your education. Or you, you could play on the sidelines and watch it um, pass you. Um, it's very similar to a startup. I really think that you want to be part of it. You want to be part of this journey. Um, and it's, it's obviously going to be a bumpy ride, but you learn from this, this ride and this journey. And that's how you succeed in, uh, in building this company up. It's, it's really the people that's going to help you uh, drive that forward. And along that line, Michael, one of the things that I've noticed in the area that I work is that uh, everybody is valued. They're told they're valued. They're treated that they're valued. And you can sense that in the group. And that, that seems to be really important in this space that the people that are doing work um, are valued and that they know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very pivotal that they understand that they're tremendously valued. Um, and I mentioned before, like we're all doing some part to grow this company. Uh, no one is uh, alone and um, doing things on silos. It's really, everyone's contributing to the, the larger prize. Um, and we're trying to build this company to a status that, um, you know, most people say it's, it's hard to get to, um, but we're trying to grow the company. We're trying to do the right things. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be bumps in the road for sure. Um, and, you know, hopefully people understand working for a unstructured environment uh, that changes quickly um, based on business needs is some, somewhere they want to aspire to. I love that. And a couple of things that I was pulling out, because one of the things, Mike, Michael, we talk about is from the manager's perspective, but then we also talk about from the employer, the team member's perspective and kind of what advice would you give to someone uh, to be successful in a startup? Uh, or successful in any organization, there's a couple of things you you said that really resonated with me. You said one thing is this whole idea of uh, it's almost like seize the moment, you know, where you're there, um, whether it's your your uh, undergrad uh, education or or uh, a job experience, seize the moment and be a contributor, you know, uh, make a difference, be involved. And then you also said something around the idea around be willing to pivot and change and adapt and learn because in a startup, those are important. So those are a couple of things that I, I, I uh, bubbled up from your conversation. Are there other things that you would, um, if advice that you would give to folks that think, oh, cool, I want to work on a startup and how can they be their best in, a, in uh, the startup scenario? Yeah. I, the other thing I will say is like, you know, depending on the size of the startup as well, um, you're wearing many hats. Uh, people are not playing just one role. You're playing, you know, multiple or even like four or five different roles uh, at one given time. Um, in a small startup um, size, you're really trying to do everything you can to uh, 
to do everything. And so, you know, the CEO, maybe the finance, the CFO as well, right? They're doing all the work there. And um, the CEO of a company may do a, a chief revenue officer type of role as well, or a sales role. Um, you, you have to learn to um, be able to take on different responsibilities, but also know that when you're growing very quickly, learning how to start hiring the right people to help alleviate some of that stress and leverage. Um, and so I will say that people that are, are growing up um, in, in a, a startup career, uh, you're going to be taking on different roles and you're able to, and, and, and with that comes opportunity, uh, allows you to do other things that you probably did not imagine that you'd be doing. And someone that's starting up um, in their career in, in, a, in a startup, it, that, that experience in, is invaluable. I, I tell a lot of the people that, are, are, that I just recently um, uh, onboarded, uh, this opportunity, I wish I had it when I was younger. I wish I was starting up in the start, uh, starting my career in a startup because it allows me to do a lot of different things and allows me to think of which career journey do I want to want to aspire to? Do I want to go into finance? Do I want to go into operations? Do I want to go into development? Do I want to, want to be an, uh, an engineer? Um, there's many different paths uh, in, in a company when you're in a startup mode. And I think that's really important to, uh, to understand. Um, it's, it's very different from a, um, you know, a, a banking structure um, or, or a, a consulting firm. Uh, you know, basically your role, you're, you're, giving, you're, you're being told this is, this is your job and this, you stick to those boundaries versus a, a startup, you're able to flourish in different areas to find out what you want to do. Yeah, I never thought of that, but that is really powerful because it is, because you're right, it is uh, a couple of things that jumped out for me there is one is it does provide that breadth and what a beautiful opportunity to uh, kind of just discover where is your uh, genius or where is your, where's the thing that you find yourself most in flow in a role, but by, you know, in a startup, you're going to get all those opportunities to try different things and discover it. And then as you grow, as you scale up, um, a second point that I just wanted to pull out, which is so key, and that is uh, hiring good people and then letting go uh, uh, to those people. And I know many founders and early on um, members of a startup, one of the challenges they sometimes have is they get so used to holding on to everything that they have a hard time actually letting go. And so at the uh, discovering where their innate flow is, where you really thrive in, and then hiring folks to take on that other stuff that are really good, uh, is, is those are the most powerful um, scale-ups that I've seen when people are able to do that as well, both as managers and as individuals. Absolutely. Yeah, Michael, uh, it hasn't uh, gone unnoticed that, uh, especially with OWL as a startup, a lot of the growth is taking place during the pandemic. So do you have any uh, insights on the pandemic angle of things? Um. At least from our, our business, we've been, you know, recession proof, you know, as in like it didn't impact us as, uh, to us, but actually helped our business, I will say, uh, just in terms of what we do today. Um, so, you know, I think from a, from a pandemic angle, um, 
you know, obviously has impacted every single business in some shape or form. Uh, you know, we've we've moved into a, a, our new office in Toronto only for three months, uh, being told to work from home again. Um, so it definitely impacts uh, the ability to collaborate in person, uh, which I which I welcome. Uh, I welcome you know uh, in person collaboration versus virtual. I think that you know having um, onboarded and uh, signed with Owl and starting my career Owl virtually, it was a very nice, pleasant surprise to like uh, to switch gears and and work in person uh, after ten months. Um, but definitely, I would say the pandemic um, has affected the way that we do business today, um, has created uh, an environment where we know that working virtually has its strengths and weaknesses, as in, um, you know, we could get a lot more done, I will say, uh, working from home versus uh, in person uh, you, due to, you know, commute times and, um, trying to find a lunch and whatnot. Like, it's like you're, you come down in five minutes, you're, you're ready to work and you could grab, grab food from your kitchen. So it's much easier that in that regards. Um, but you can never replace, I believe, uh, in-person collaborations, uh, and, and, and conversations, um, because that's how you problem solve quickly. Yeah, I got to say that uh, I have to admit I like the commute. It's like four steps. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I do I do echo what you say about collaboration. It is much easier and much fuller if we're sitting around a table or, or you know, across from each other and, and talking things out. But uh, uh, it's an interesting model. Like I've never worked from home really uh, right. to any extent. And uh, uh, once you you know, figure out and, uh, the conversations, you know, you know, you're talking on a Slack on a couple different channels and stuff. There are ways around it. And it's interesting to see how quickly you adapt to those things. But I, I agree with you. I, I echo you that it, it's much better, especially if you're in that collaboration or problem solving phase that it's much better to be, uh, face to face, but it, it's amazing how people adapt. Right. And the other thing I will say is that when you're in person, as you're discussing ideas, you can, you can read body language, right? You know, virtually you're seeing everyone from, you know, the chest upwards. You can't see exactly what's happening with their bodies and uh, body language in terms of their reaction to certain things. Um, so I think that's, you know, another added benefit of just seeing people in real life and, um, and able to, to quickly solve issues together uh, versus having them linger, especially in a startup uh, phase, you need to solve quick, uh, problems quickly so you can move on from there and, and, and grow from there. So interesting. It's so interesting to be a leader like many that I coach and, and support that have not actually, it's been virtual for their, their whole time. And how strange that can be, to your point, not, not, not actually knowing someone in person. Um, and how do you find the balances between it? And there's a lot of great work coming out right now as they think about hybrid and your approach. And uh, and uh, I read something recently that said uh, our future is going to be um, uh, more digital, more digital, and and equally more deeply personal. So, but it's just finding those moments that you can have for both, uh, which is uh, which I think is quite interesting. 
Right, absolutely. The future of work is going to be very different uh, after, after this pandemic. So I thought let's do a, a kind of a final thoughts round um, on uh, our conversation today. And Greg, I'll go to you first. Yeah, so much here. Uh, uh, Michael, thank you so much for your insights and your ideas. But the, the big things that I were jumping up for me was one, um, you kind of own your, uh, your opportunities. So, you know, this whole idea of seizing the moment, whether that's uh, um, kind of uh, uh, deciding where, who, who you want to, who, who you value and reaching out to them to be your mentors or uh, finding uh, or an organization or role that allows you to try out different things to find your genius, find your flow, whatever that is, uh, and, and, and then to help create the environments that do that. So that was the one thing around individually, your insights on what you've, you've learned. And uh, um, the, the, that was the, the first thing. The second thing is just organizationally. I love the instinct around creating organizations where it's shared ownership, where it's open, uh, where you can, it's flat, where you uh, have an opportunity to allow people to bring their best self to work. I, I wrote a book called In Search of Safe Brave Spaces, and it's almost that balance between a safe place for someone to grow and gain their confidence and belief in themselves, but a brave space to have opportunities to share their ideas and, and bring their best self and try new stuff in a supportive environment. So I think you've captured so many different insights and ideas and some practical tools like the uh, PowerPoint at the beginning that uh, um, I really appreciate your time here. And uh, I've taken a number of notes myself to both share and to continue to grow myself. Michael, I think what uh, uh, I've really appreciated about this conversation is uh, the relations within a startup, within that environment, uh, being somebody that's come from uh, some pretty regimental uh, types of experiences. Uh, it, it's been uh, kind of an eye-opening experience for me and uh, I've just really appreciated our conversation uh, today around that and what that looks like, what it feels like and and how people feel within that situation. So I, I really appreciate that. I, I think it's uh, kind of a, a watershed moment for me, you know, coming from a very different background. So uh, any final thoughts that you have, Michael? No, I, I think I really appreciate this. I think what you're doing, uh, um, bringing light and, and bringing um, some speakers here to shed their experience uh, growing, you know, through through their many years of uh, managerial experience is really important to highlight. And, you know, if we get like several of the listeners so you can hear some of these aspirational um, stories, it's, it's going to be impactful. I'm a person that always tries to pay it forward. I like to um, share the ideas that I've learned in, the, in my past and share experiences so that I can help help people uh, that are growing, uh, starting up in their career. So um, I really had a great time um, sharing some of my stories um, and, um, and hopefully it, it makes a difference. Michael, we really appreciate you uh, agreeing to come on to the show and for being a supporter of the show. Um, this is the part of, uh, of the show when we have a guest. Uh, so what's going on with you and, and owl.co? Is there anything you want to share with uh, our listeners? Yeah, uh, I would say, you know, owl is a, in a, such a great spot right now. We're in tremendous growth mode. Um, you know, we have a, we have a, a team that they're going to be double by the end of this year. 
Um, if we haven't explained what OWL does, I'll, I'll quickly explain right now. OWL is a, uh, an AI-driven insurance technology platform that uh, scours of our, uh, many data sources to detect fraud and, and identify risky behavior um, and able to uh, detect them, review them, and escalate them to uh, our insurance companies that we work for um, and uh, quickly help identify fraud and suspicious activity. Um, you know, our, our platform continues to evolve and grow. And um, I think if you think about where we are today and what we're helping uh, solve in terms of the, the, the amount of fraud that's being taken place in, in insurance, um, I feel like you know, we're an ambassador of like really helping uh, people. And, um, you know, if we could use this technology to serve a better purpose and um, lower our premiums, that, that's all, all good for everyone. Everybody wants their premiums down. So that's fantastic. So, uh, Michael, thank you for, for coming on the show. And, and folks, um, listen, we hope that some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. We hope that you didn't find anything we spoke of offensive or made you angry. But, Greg, I think your uh, philosophy lands well on this episode as well. Yeah, we always end our episodes with a, a great insight that I learned from an early coach. And I try to create this in the environments that I, in my coaching environments as well, is that in my best experiences, they were ones and best coaching experiences are ones in which that I felt a little churn, a little peeve and a little bit of joy. So the churn and peeve is when, you know, maybe you were uh, uh, discovered something that you weren't actually doing as well, or maybe you were called out on something that you knew and you have been trying to improve, but you had to do better. And, and that's good. And then joy is when you're actually making traction and you're moving forward. So as you listen to Michael and us today, if there's probably some things you said, oh man, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've done that. I've uh, sunk and swim or sink and swim uh, uh, folks before. Uh, and how do I how do I do that better? The key is if you learn. So whether you're churning or whether you're feeling joy of some traction you made and good things that you've done, they're both good. It's just what you do with it and how you learn from it and how you grow from it. So we hope you got maybe a little bit of churn and we hope you got a lot of joy from our episode today. And just to remind folks the the podcast is actually uh, created to take you to both those places. So um, if that's the way you feel, then that's what we intended to do. It's all about learning. And Greg, I think we have to do a call out. Always good to do call outs. So I'm going to assume this place is in Texas. Otherwise, it just doesn't work for me. But uh, Dallas, Texas, welcome to the club. Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the club. It is made, you know, actually we've had an, a lot of uh, our, our U.S. Uh, families that are joining us uh, on our podcast. We had, we've had some global reach and certainly across Canada, but uh, welcome Dallas. Yeah. And just to let you know, Greg, I uh, kind of took a look at the analytics last night and uh, uh, the home team is really uh, supporting us right now. We have a huge Oakville contingent um, moving up, uh, the, the numbers again. So, uh, so for the home team, thank you very much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. So me walking around my neighborhood with talking, not ranting, listen to talking, not ranting sign is really, uh, you know, it's, a, it's giving me exercise in our COVID lockdown, 
but it's also impacting the number of listeners. I just suspected you had t-shirts and you were dropping them off in people's houses, <laughs> at people's houses or what, right. because I know most of your family's in Brantford, so that isn't helping us. So uh, uh, we, we obviously uh, are very thankful to all the people that listen to us yeah. and support us. So uh, remember people, uh, take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.